Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kicked Back presented by Uber One. Uber One is a membership that lets you save across Uber Eats, Uber Rides, and everything in between. Enjoy unlimited $0 delivery fees, 5% off of Eats, 5% off of Rides, and if you join Uber One today, you can get your first month free. Visit uber.com slash uberone for details. What's up, Kicked Back listeners? Uh, we got everybody in the house today. We got Liam, their Jersey Walls, Nathan Santos, I'm Caroline, and another day of World Cup action, and the Netherlands, Senegal, England and the U.S. have now booked their tickets into the round of 16. So big ups for our very own co-host, Liam, because he is just cruising. This must be a good day for you, Liam. It felt nice. I won't lie to you. I was watching the game here at Nation HQ and first half, I was like, man, like, how are they going to break down this Wales team at the moment? Because it just felt like they were just throwing everything behind the ball. And then our boy, Marcus Rashford, comes in with a massive free kick. Nathan called the uh, Southgate out for not having Phil Foden in last episode. He comes in, gets a goal, and then Rashford does it again. So, as always, it is still coming home. Bang. How did Phil play? Phil was not bad. Shockingly, right? Who would have thought Phil? Yeah, was? who would have thought? Imagine that. Phil Foden being a difference maker. Who would have thought? The, uh, I just thought Rashford was unbelievable today. Like, what, was, so sorry. Well. what was that game like, Liam? Because I was tuned into the U.S., Iran game. So what, and I, I checked in at halftime and it was, if I remember correctly, zero, zero. So I'm like, oh, it must be just one of those back and forth games where I had a feeling that England might have more possession, but what, what did, what did the whole picture look like? Yeah, it was pretty much England's game to lose. It felt like Mm -hmm. Wales had one really good chance from Joe Allen. I think it was kind of towards the end of the half, but didn't really create too, too much. And they, the Wales just, tried to defend as well as they could. And, you know, it was going to be a tough test for Wales to actually win this game because what it does qualify or whatever, especially after the U.S. went up because they had to score like four or five goals, I think, to get through. So, mm. task. And they took bail off at halftime, which was interesting. But I yeah, suppose I somewhat understand it. He's obviously not the player he was, but he does have the only goal for in this tournament. So, it was interesting. It kind of felt like it was only a matter of time before England were able to break down what Wales were trying to do. And yeah, Rashford came through with a big free kick. And what it allowed Southgate to do then too is take off some of the big guys. Like Payne came off at the 56 minute. I remember who else came off with him. Maybe Rice was one of them. Like Kyle Walker came off after coming back into the team after being injured. And 
and we got to see Trent play Callum Wilson and who's the other one? Who am I missing? I can't remember who the other one was. Whoever it was, he came on as well and played really well. But it was just a good performance by England. I think it was a result that was expected, but they definitely earned the win, if that makes sense. So, Liam, uh, obviously massive win for England, but do you think now Gareth Southgate from Foden's performance is going to say, hey, this is a guy that I need to continuously start and keep in the starting 11? Or do you think he goes back to his typical arrangement? Well, I think it's interesting because... You also have Saka, who scored first two goals in the first game and wasn't great in the Wales game, in the US game, I suppose. And now Phil comes in, plays a good game. You also have Rashford, who had two today. And I think it's between those three, probably. Like Grealish feels like that guy who's going to come off the bench for this team and be an impact player every time. He just brings that energy and kind of direct attack right at the defender. It's a different a real difference maker i think and sterling hasn't been able to bring that so far this world cup so i think southgate has got some tough decisions to make but in a good way and also james madison hasn't played a game yet for england like he i'm assuming he's probably if i'm assuming he's not 100 percent there yet because i think if he was he would have played today and mm-hmm. uh, i am assuming that because kyle walker played and we know he hasn't been healthy yet in the world cup and also calvin phillips came on and played in the last 35 minutes or so. So I'm assuming if Madison was healthy, he would have come on and played there. So Southgate's got options and he's clearly exploring them after the changes he made today. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good performance. And I think Southgate made the right selections. Like we've spoke about him a little bit. And I think that's what England need to do if they want to win the World Cup. There you go. Can I ask a question here, Caroline? Yeah, sure. Because I'd love to, just because I, I I didn't get to see this game, and I want I feel like yesterday was the Nate Santos episode. Today I want to I want to throw to Liam. I want to make it the Liam episode. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff. Like I feel like the narratives that come out of this are almost more important than the tactics of the day, right? Like I think largely would have all assumed England would have beat Wales, right? Even if we got a little nervy before the game to say, oh, but what if the underdog happens? Right? Brett placed his bet with cool bet, didn't he? And it didn't stick for him because he didn't listen to you, Liam. You would have told him if he had listened to you, he would have made some money there, right? I mentioned it. A couple yeah, of times. You did. You never did. <laughs> we got receipts, don't we? Right? Do you think, and I'll ask you the same question I did yesterday now, because I think it has the same implications going forward. We saw one version of England in the first game. We saw a very different version of England in the second game. And then I asked you before today's game, do, which of those do you think is more reflective of the England that we're going to see? Do you think the tempo set by this win is an indication of how England will approach the rest of the tournament? Or do you think they're going to revert back to going now in this cycle of up, down, up, down, depending on who they're playing? I think it's a game by game thing for England. Like, so they, they have Senegal now that is a hundred percent confirmed. So it's going to be interesting. I think England know that Senegal can be exposed at the back. I guess you could say like England's attack should be good enough to take down Senegal. So I think that's kind of what they'll go into in that game. I think we'll see more of a, a random Wales in the round of 16. Now, if England advance by that and do play France, like it's kind of looking like it might happen. Like, they're probably going to sit back a little bit more and maybe count him on the counter attack. And I think that's just the way Southgate is. I don't think he's a guy that in tournaments that plays it by, oh, well, this is our style. This is how we'll play. I think he's more, this is our opponent and this is how we're going to beat him. He's done him well. Like we said yesterday, he's only lost, he's never lost a game in 90 minutes at a tournament. So he doesn't have a trophy to walk away with it yet, but you know what? So far, England had more success in my lifetime than I've ever than 
long before that. So hopefully we can just keep it going and Southgate, Southgate we trust, right? Well, I want to touch on that because I think that you got to give Southgate some credit because we all know that one of the biggest criticisms out of the game against the U.S. was where was Trent Alexander-Arnold and where was Phil Foden. And not that he maybe gave in to peer pressure, but maybe he was able to kind of step outside of his box. And we saw Burhalter kind of do the same thing today with the U.S. against Iran and give Phil Foden a shot. And I have to give major props to Foden for him sniffing the pitch for as long as he's had in this World Cup tournament and absolutely converting those minutes into a goal. It's not easy to do. He's a young player. We've seen him ball out at City, but this is a completely different tournament, a different team, a different stage. And for him to go onto the pitch and score a goal and kind of prove to Southgate that he deserves to be in the starting 11 is amazing. But I also give that same credit to Southgate, like good for him for giving Foden that shot. And I think that, like you said, Liam, now it's nice because Southgate knows that he has the guys based on the team that he takes on. He has the guys with different tools and different skill sets to get the job done. One guy I want to ask you about Liam is Henderson. How did he play? Cause I, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of questioning that decision just because of you know it being Henderson no disrespect to Henderson but there's other players yeah yeah it was uh (laughs) it's it's funny isn't it because I wish I could say it was surprising but I wasn't shocked at all you know he's just I think Southgate just respects the leadership that Henderson brings and he's still a good football player like yep Liverpool week in week out and he played well today like he was he kind of gave me what I thought he was going to be he got he got tackled pretty hard by Aaron Ramsey actually towards the end of the game where Ramsey literally stood over him and was like, I am very sorry about that one. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But I, I don't know. Henderson, I think he was put in just to kind of maybe allow Bellingham to go forward a little bit more, Mm -hmm. him a bit more freedom. And then that kind of works a little bit better than having Mount there. I guess you could say then I'd rather have Bellingham maybe pressing forward a little bit more than Mason Mount. I think he brings more threat. So it gave England like a, a bit of a different flavor. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't mind Henderson. I'm I'm not surprised, like I said, that he's in this team. We've, we've spoken about many times about Southgate as his guys. And he respects them and he appreciates what they've done for him in the past. And Henderson's been there for England when they needed him. And I think he was fine today. Like he was nothing special, but nothing, nothing bad, I guess. So yeah, hopefully we can just, if, that, if it keeps working, then I don't mind him in the team. Well, I mean, leadership roles, leadership players are important, are super important. You can't take that away from Henderson. And it's not like he's washed up by any means. I was just curious. And also, last question for you. How did our boy Harry Maguire do? Harry Maguire. Yeah, he was actually, there was one play that will stand out the most to me. And he was on like the, he was right on the touchline. And the ball came to him and there was no one around him. And it, he just absolutely smacked it into row triple Z. That thing was out the stadium, and there was it showed the FIFA president, and he just like kind of did like an animation with his hand of like someone just booting the ball as far, <laughs> <laughs> and it really just made me laugh. But Maguire wasn't given like too much to do today, but when he when he was asked, he was uh, he did well. He, he was Harry Maguire of the pack. Nice, love to hear it. All right, Nathan, you have anything else to ask Liam? Honestly, I'm excited to see how the how the tournament goes from here for England because I feel like we're gonna talk about Senegal and then the implications going forward as we get into the show. So I don't want to get into it now because I do wanna I do wanna ask you all about the USA. 
Um, but I think but go, that you can go ahead, go, go ahead. Ask Liam if we're here already on England by, by yeah, all means, start the convo. Because we were talking about, it's a bit of a, a selection dilemma, right? At times. And, and that can be a good problem. That can be a bad problem depending on the result, really. <laughs> like if they get it right, then it's not, then it's a good problem. If they don't get it right, then it's, uh, I have too many options. I don't know what to do with it. Right. Um, would you imagine, cause I think you mentioned something about, you know, how to break through that Senegalese defense, but that Senegalese team showed resilience today. And I feel like that is something that England in this knockout stage is going to have to really deal with. Now you're right. They haven't lost a game in 90 minutes, but Senegal I'm sure would be like, yeah, that's fine. Like I got heart that it's going to last me a lifetime because the atmosphere that their fans create pump it into them the whole time. Right. I don't imagine Senegal are particularly threatening or as far as England have, have been concerned so far because they haven't shown like, oh, they're really, really lethal here. It's more just that we praise their team spirit. If there's one thing that I would probably criticize England for, it's that lack of spirit. I don't think they have that that heart or that energy. And even when Jordan Henderson's the one who's coming in to, to liberate Jude Bellingham to go be more of a creator, I, I'm glad that it got the result, but I don't know if I can attribute it to those players in midfield so i'd ask you for this if you had to choose your ultimate not just 11 but just like your your guaranteed starters for a match because you want to beat senegal who's like non-negotiable absolutely need to have this dude in the team oh boy okay so mike pickford obviously in goal <laughs> uh back four i would do kyle walker luke shaw and now i would do mcguire and stones basically what it was today um i don't i wouldn't mind if trippier came into the lineup too, but I don't think he was great against the US, so I'd probably keep him out. Declan Rice sitting in front, and then the midfield, I would do Bellingham. Uh, and then I would probably... Oh, boy. I, you know what? I probably might even do Henderson again. Oh, do you know what? Yeah. I would do Calvin Phillips. That's what I would do. If he's fit, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Calvin Phillips unlocks a lot of people's two-way abilities that they aren't able to display when he's not in the team. Yeah, so I would do that, and then obviously... Kane up front, but then your toughest decision is on the wings. Like, what do you want right. to do? Like, like I mentioned, those three guys, Foden, Rashford, and and Saka have all had moments in this World Cup so far. Like, I think Rashford's got to start. I mean, he has three goals in this tournament, more than Harry Kane does. So, you've got to put him in there. Foden played well today, but then also Saka has a tough one. Maybe I would, I would probably go back to Saka, to be honest, and have Foden come off the bench. Maybe mm. that's what I would do. And then, you know, you've even got James Madison. Like I said, like if he's healthier, like where does he come into the mix? Like it's good, it's good problem to have for Southgate, but I guess that's what I would do. So I would put Bowden back on the bench just because Saka deserves to be in the team and Rashford has earned his way onto the 11. Can I give you my thoughts on, on what I think they should do and I want you to react to it? Because I, I agree with large parts of the team. I agree with large parts of the team. I would say, though, I would imagine Senegal, the way that they're going to play based on how I saw them play today, they're defensively resolute, right? Like, they're, I don't think they're going to try to be very expansive. I don't think they're going to try to to hold the, whole, the, the highest line. And I think on the wings in games like that, you have to create opportunities to score and create the space because I think Rashford is very, very good in transition. I think he's very, very good if if he's playing against a team with a bit of a higher line, he can use his pace effectively. I don't know if that will be utilized well with the way that I saw Senegal defend today against Ecuador. So I would say 
despite the fact that he has the goals, if there's somebody who has to come off the bench, it is Rashford. Let him be the super sub. Because even the game that he that he scored against in the first uh, in the first game England played, it was 30 seconds off the bench, right? Like he has that impact sub. I think that Phil needs to be starting and needs to wear people down and needs to get them booked. And then when England draw the game in a little bit more and then they can kind of suck those players towards them, that's when Rashford comes on because then he can utilize, like everybody's best assets get used that way. Maybe Grealish is the guy then. Maybe Grealish is the guy you start. Because that's what he does yeah. when he comes off the bench. He wears guys down and retire. Maybe just get him and Folden to come and start the game and let them do that. And then bring on Saka and Rashford, whoever you want. And they have the pace to attack and maybe yeah. exploit some holes after that. And hopefully Harry King can just grab a goal here. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's been kind of missing. Like, I know the US yeah. wasn't fantastic and... You know, it wasn't it wasn't what England would have wanted, but they came away with a point, didn't concede a goal. But I would like to see Harry Kane do something. Like he has his assist, and uh, I think he got one or two or whatever against Iran. But I'd like to see a little bit more from the captain. I think Harry Kane has put a bet on himself with Cool Bet and said, "I don't want to score this tournament." Harry Kane to not score this tournament. That's what I'm placing my bet with Cool Bet because he seems to have ruined a lot of bets like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that. I think that Foden should should start just because he's carrying momentum and momentum's everything in these tournaments, especially for players. And I think that if he came onto the field today and, and he scored that goal, he might have a couple more left in him, maybe more than a couple. And yeah. if it's just not working for him, then you have an unreal player like Saka who's proven that he can also come off the bench and be an impact. Didn't he come off the bench, Liam, in, in England's game against Germany? That one, t- that one game in the Nations League? Uh, that sounds right. He was coming off th- the bench a lot as well at the Euros. Yeah, he came. I think it was a Nations League game where he came off the bench. And like to me, he was one of the best players in a short amount of time. Um, but I might have the game confused. But he, yeah, I, I would, I'd give Foden a shot right now because he's feeling it. And I think that this England-Senegal game will be interesting because I think Senegal, or you want to talk about momentum. The, me- the momentum they got today coming out of that Ecuador game where Ecuador only needed a tie to advance. And then they found a way to take apart this Ecuador team. That was Ecuador's worst performance of this tournament. Like mm-hmm. their first two games were so good. And I just think Senegal completely took it, took them out of it. And their fans, like you said, Nathan, you got to give them such credit to be able to be in a stadium like that and know that you're kind of on your last leg. Like it's basically do or die and have your nation and your fans rally behind you like that with the drums and the chants. Like it must've been an, a surreal feeling for them and Koulibaly finishing it off. Sar with that penalty kick, the no look penalty. I mean, everything about that performance for, uh, performance yeah, for Senegal was so good that I'm really excited to see them come out of that game into an England game. And then England, how they're going to, come out of this Wales game and take on a Senegal team. Like, I think it's just gonna be a really interesting matchup of like one of Europe's biggest teams and one of the biggest teams in the tournament take on this team that I think almost everyone is rooting for now, Mm. which could be Senegal. Yeah. I, you know what too, I guess taking the teams out of it, this is what the world cup's about. Like to see a European team, play an African team in like a knockout. Mm-hmm. Like yep. Something you don't see every single day. That's why it would have been like, and it could still be great if like Morocco go through in Canada's group, but Canada would have likely have played in Germany or Spain. Right. And like, that would have been so cool to see. And I, I think this is just a game that England should be the favorites for, for obvious reasons, but also a game that's like, oh, this, this is going to be a lot harder than people maybe 
give it credit for. Yeah. I'm excited. Okay, Liam, if you had to say right now, cool bet, place your bet, powered by cool bet, what are you picking? Uh, England 3-1. Okay. That's, good. That's, my, that's my pick. I, I think uh, when England have scored goals, they've come in, they've come in plenty, right? So mm-hmm. you can get one. I, I don't think they'll just sit there. I think they learned a mistake against Italy in the Euros of scoring a goal and then kind of sitting back on it. I think England know how good they can be. So, yeah, I could see Gareth Southgate pushing a little bit harder. Now, again, if they make it further and hypothetically they play France, I think that'll be a different story. But for this game, I'm expecting a, an attack in England. But, yeah, that Ecuador game, Senegal, pretty good one, considering what was at stake. Like, it was... Uh, it was kind of what you want in a World Cup match with the, the intensity level, the atmosphere in the stadium, the goals that were being scored, the time they were being scored, like everything about it was just a classic World Cup matchup, really, against exactly. two teams you wouldn't put in there as like classic World Cup teams. Like it was the first time since 2002 that Senegal have made it to the round. Of mm-hmm. So it's it's fantastic to see. And it, it's uh, even like, like Sadio Mane obviously wasn't there. So it's great to see. Senegal advance without their best player and I guess define the odds in a way too. Yeah. And it was crazy because when Ecuador tied the game, which was a huge moment for them, because again, that's all they needed to get into the round of the 16th. Two minutes and 31 seconds later for Koulibaly to come out and, and score that goal just completely took the wind out of Ecuador's sails. And I'm like, not only was that an important goal, but it just shows you the mentality of this Senegal team. Like they could have easily crumbled and it could have been game over for them at that point, but they didn't fold. And I just think that it was so exciting. I know Nathan, you and I had Ecuador going through and I still really like that. I picked that Ecuador team because I think that this is going to be a really exciting team in the years to come. However, when I was watching this game, I said, I really want Senegal to win. I really want it for their fans. I want it for Sadio Mane. Who's watching at home. I want it for this team because they absolutely deserve the win. And I'm just excited now to see them play against England because I think it's going to be an interesting game for the reason that Liam just alluded to, that it's going to be a big European-African showdown. And that's exactly what you want to see in a, in a knockout stage. Yeah. You know, yesterday we dragged Liam down with us, didn't we? We, we persuaded him. <laughs> we convinced him to join the Ecuador train. And then we lost. And listen, I don't, I don't regret for one second picking Ecuador because I think, I think Ecuador were able to very effectively display just how good they are. But... I, I don't know if it's the drums, I, something about that Senegalese team wouldn't be beaten. And I don't know, I, I just everything about it. They made me a fan of them. Like, it's not like we said yesterday, their faces, right? Like there's no African heels here. We want to see them all succeed. Mm-hmm. But going into that game, Ecuador had to not lose. And I think they may have thought that. I think they may have thought as long as we don't lose, we're through. But when you think don't lose, don't lose, don't lose, don't lose, you're not thinking win, 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 win. And I think because of that, and Senegal knowing, listen, this is do or die for us. You know, group stage games are not supposed to be knockouts, but this is it. Because if we don't win, we are not going through. We must win today, not just draw, but get the results. They went out. They got the goal early on. I think Ecuador like, oh, God, dude, this is not going to plan. What are we doing? And Capier, it's such a bad shout for me because I really like predicted a big tournament from him. And I will say that openly. And I think people will remember his name in some capacity, just not in the way that I wanted them to. I thought he was going to be able to show his defensive prowess, how good he is at progressing the ball, not just in terms of his passing, but like dribbling it too. I think he's still going to earn a move. It's just not the highlight that I wanted him to. I thought he was going to be the guy and he was the guy to concede the penalty to make the other team go through. And I'm like, come on, Piero, what are you doing to me, man? 
It happens. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I wish I wish I could have convinced you guys. I wish I could have convinced you guys to make your cool bet bet of the game on the U.S. versus Iran, uh, because that ended up being a really, really good game by the U.S. So I'm really happy. Good show by you. Great show by you. I'm happy. You just got to sometimes be loyal with the picks. Uh, you know, Liam, we've spoke multiple times on Kicked Back about the U.S. fans and players' issue with Burhalter, how we've thought about Burhalter as a manager and certain tactics and systems that he plays in. But I have to, right off the top of this segment of Kicked Back, give a shout to Burhalter with the way he came out against England and the way he came out against Iran today. He He has to get credit because... The way that the U.S. used their fullbacks, Robinson and Dest today, to just kind of really put that pressure on Iran's back line was, was awesome. And I think that the U.S., again, played another performance of football where they tried to possess the ball. They did a good job possessing the ball. They, they were confident in playing. They were patient. They were composed. I definitely think at times, especially towards the end of the game, Iran tried to take it to them. Uh, but the U.S., you know, basically at that point, it was a little too late for Iran. And Pulisic had an unbelievable goal, basically laid his body out on the line to score that goal. And, you know, Dest had a really nice assist to him. Just a really nice picture of what this U.S. team could do. Something that I'm really impressed with with the U.S. side is that they have now qualified into the round of 16 after not making the 2018 World Cup. So they entered this World Cup with a ton of pressure on a young group of guys And I think that their first 45 minutes against Wales, I've said this before on the show, was really good. Second half wasn't. But they bounced back after that last 45 minutes, played a really good game against England, and then went into a game today where it was, again, do or die. We have to win this game. And they managed to do that. And again, a lot of their young stars are the guys that are showing up for them. Tyler Adams in particular, I think this guy is so good. We saw how he handled the media super professionally and he handled his business on the pitch the exact same way. So I'm excited to see this U.S. team now take on the Netherlands, which you guys know I think is super overrated aside from Cody Gakpo. Obviously, that's a guy that could cause any team in this tournament problems. I don't know. um, You know, I have to really think about this game, but the Netherlands to me isn't the scariest situation for the U.S. So, yeah, really cool game. I don't know if you guys could have, uh, if you guys tuned in at all, but really happy for the U.S. I think it's super well deserved and awesome, awesome display for Concacaf right now. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. can I can I jump on this, Liam? You go ahead. Watch a second. All right, listen. There was a. I don't know if either of you ever seen Brooklyn Nine Nine. Great show. Great show. There's a scene where Captain Holt just screams vindication, and that's you right now, Caroline. You have you've been vindicated. You got it right. Applause to you. Great job. Great shout. Um, I don't think any of the analysis that went into this game changes with the result from what happened with the U.S. I think they're just able to to cross that line when we didn't necessarily think that they would. I still think they struggled in the same areas they thought they would, but we understand at this tournament in particular, it's been demonstrated to us how slim the margins are, right? Taking that chance is night and day. And if you take that chance and you get it, Pulisic, didn't he leave the pitch after that goal? Yeah. So he... He, he got, he, he got winded, which I thought like, Oh no, did he break his ribs? He came yeah. back onto the field and he finished the half and then he didn't come out in the second. Mm, okay. He so he, I mean, that's he just it. He knows. He went to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, like, yeah, right, so he's okay. 
that's a proper Captain America move right there, right? Like yeah. you understood, I got to lay my body on the line for my team. And honestly, that's the guy you want in your team. And I feel like a lot of people were looking at this tournament for Christian Pulisic and going like, dude, this is do or die for you. Like there's been a mm-hmm. long time that you've been revered as a prospect and you haven't hit the heights under several managers for a long time wearing many, many a shirt. Are you going to be that guy or not? And he's never been underwhelming for the US. He's always seems to, to step up in the CONCACAF region. But beyond that, what are you going to do? Because you are going to be a, a senior member of this squad, even if you are still pretty young, right? It's not like he's Gio Reyna. He's not 17 years old, right? He is. He's growing into to a proper man. He's becoming Captain America. And so for him to go and get that goal, I think speaks volumes to his own confidence and the fact that he wants to embrace that opportunity and elevate his career at this tournament and beyond. I do want to talk to you about your predictions for the next round though, because I don't, I think you're absolutely right to say the Netherlands have been horribly underwhelming compared to where we thought they would be and what, you know, we can expect from this side. But does that mean that they're not capable of taking advantage of this U S team? No, I mean, I think anyone's capable of taking advantage of any team in this tournament. Right. And, and we've seen that happen. Uh, I think that the U S has come out against England, which I rate way higher than the Netherlands and Iran today and have played solid performances. So if they're able to, like I said, after that England game, they're going to need to find another level against Iran. And they did, they scored that goal. That for me was finding that other level. They had an offside goal that was called on way up controversial. I'm not quite sure if that was even offside. I would have liked to see them score more goals or take more opportunities. Bottom, like end of the day, though, they they figured out, they found out, found that next level, and they won that game by scoring a goal. Mm. They're going to need to go into that Netherlands game and find that next level with the, with the Netherlands. I also think that the U.S. is a very like whenever the U.S. plays, it's always an athletic, tactical game. Burhalter knows Cody Gakpo is going to probably be the guy to score. And Frankie de Jong at some point will need to be shut down. I think that Burhalter's got to have some respect on his name right now. And I'm not his biggest fan, but there's no way he doesn't know this going into the tournament. Tyler Adams, honestly, I know everyone rates um, Cody Gakpo high, but Tyler Adams has been phenomenal for the U.S., so yeah. the U.S. has really good individual players who have the potential to shut down a Netherlands team. Am I saying it's going to happen or am I saying it's going to happen easily? No. I mean, this is the round of 16. We might see the Netherlands have the best game of their lives and us say, wow, this is the Netherlands we know from the past. But right now they have been super, super overrated and underwhelming in my opinion. And the U.S. have now come off of two very big, important games, and they're gaining that experience on a young roster each game. Yeah, to your credit, I think I, I wouldn't ask that trying to suggest that maybe it couldn't happen, but rather if the U.S. are playing this way, where Tyler Adams in particular with uh, Eunice Musa and with Weston McKinney are, are effectively suffocating a lot of midfields, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, we're going to swarm you, we're going to overwhelm you. Even England felt that. Like Jude Bellingham was, I don't want to say played off the parks. I feel like it's disrespectful to how good he is, but he did not have an effective performance yeah. against the U.S. And because of how well, because of how well the, the midfielders were doing. Yeah. And the Netherlands midfield is... I, it's not weak because the quality is there, but it has been grossly ineffective this tournament. Netherlands have been playing wide, right? Which we knew their game would be. It makes good use of fullbacks. It makes, it has a, a cam and two strikers. So it's very like circular. The middle of the park is, 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 is there for the taking. And to be honest with the way that the U.S. press and the way that they suffocate midfielders, I wouldn't surprise me if Netherlands couldn't get a damn thing going in this. So if they can just be 
resolute in defense and not even if they concede the wings that's fine concede the wide areas but suffocate the midfield and don't let the netherlands score i don't I don't disagree with you. I think that it's very, very possible that the U.S. progress further into this competition than we expected because this matchup, honestly, is pretty favorable for them. I think that the Netherlands have not been good enough for me to to say, yeah, you know what? Like, I think the Netherlands are going to smash them. I yeah. keep saying that. How many games? How many podcasts in a row have I said, oh yeah, Netherlands? This is their next game. They're going to smash them, and it never hits. They haven't hit that level. And now you've played three group stage games, and it hasn't hit. I'm starting to think it's not coming. That's how I feel about this Netherlands team. But I also say that respectfully because in at, during the Senegal game, you know, you saw Frankie de Young absolutely like, I don't even know what to call it. Just fumble the ball. If I want to say an NFL term in the box where he should have hit a ball one time and he did nothing with it, right? Like the basic things, he did nothing. And then he turns around and plays a masterclass ball into Cody Gakpo that he scores, right? So you can't, take anything away from this Netherlands team and the talent that they have individually. But at the same time, watching for me, I've watched the U.S. play every game. You can't take away how they've progressed into each game and how they've positioned themselves into against each opposition that they're taking on. And I think, like I said, each game that these players start to play in and the more experience that they gain, the more World Cup experience that they gain in these games is huge for them, huge for their confidence, huge for their their ability to play, how comfortable they're getting, um, you know, they're playing together as a team. I pray that Pulisic is okay because he's a guy that they're going to need. And it's interesting that you brought him up. And I want to know what you guys think about him. I've never said he's overrated because I've always wanted Pulisic to succeed. Mm -hmm. I think that he's very talented and I like him, but I was watching him today a little bit in the first half before he scored his goal. And I'm like, what's missing with this guy? Like, what is it about this guy that probably irks a few people? And for me, when I was watching him, like he sometimes at some points in time lacks that aggression going forward. Almost sometimes it seems a little too casual or a little too matter of fact, because I'll see him go and take a player one V one. And I'm like, Oh, that was a really good idea, but he should have been a little, like just a little tougher, Mm -hmm. but that might just be the style of player he is. And then I eat my words because literally the next play, he threw his body in for that goal, which was an amazing thing to see. But I wonder if Pulisic had that same mentality. And I'm not talking about aggression, throw your bows up and slide tackle. I'm talking about like, move off the ball, run into space hard, check into space hard, you know, have a really good pass in. If someone tackles you for the ball, go hard into the tackle. Like sometimes those are little moments of aggression that I think Pulisic can add into his game. But just a, a performance from him today where people who don't like him, I hope now realize how important and vital to this team he is because he's the guy who got it done today for the U.S. You go ahead, Nathan. You give your your point if you want. I, I like my only my only thought on Pulisic is, I guess, I, I completely agree, Caroline. I think he's a very interesting player. Like when he was at Dortmund, he was coming up as this like big star, the next American star, I guess you could call him, and then goes to Chelsea as like a decent star, and then just like slowly falls down mm. the chart, and now. New manager, still not doing that well, but then he goes to the US and it's kind of like him against the world mentality almost. And it, yeah, you can, it's like, what if you did this every week? Like, what if you just put that passion that you have for yes. playing for the US into playing for Chelsea? Like, we'd be talking about you every single week on the show because he is on these days a fantastic football player. And yeah, he just leaves you wanting that a little bit more. Who was it that we spoke about yesterday that leaves you wanting that a little bit more? Felix. Y'all Felix. That's exactly what I think of Pulisic. Like Felix is a little bit better, obviously, but like yeah. 
I just feel like there's those two guys. It kind of came through at the same time almost too. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I just want a little bit more from him. But that's that's what I my take on Pulisic is when he's uh, with the USA. What do they say? He's got that dog mentality. Mm -hmm. I think. I think it's a good point. I think having him embrace the leadership role, you know, they, they used to do this with kids when they'd get detention. It's like, if he's a bad kid, give him, put him in a leadership role and see how he embraces that. And most of the time it makes them reflect on what they're doing. But like, no, hold on a second. Like, this is not how this should be done. I feel like with the US, he is the leader and he is referred to often over the past few years as like the, the best player on the, on the US men's national team. But at Chelsea, he's just another player. At Dortmund, even he was a prospect, but he wasn't like their best prospect. They had Usmane Dembele at the same time, right? It's not like he's ever the best guy there. And I feel like he might relish, uh, to be honest, I don't think he's the best guy on the US teams now, right? I think Tyler Adams is firmly taking mm -hmm. control of that shirt. Absolutely. But I feel like Pulisic believes in his mind, I'm the guy. And I think he only has that with the US. Maybe it's because all his teammates call it soccer too. And so he's like, oh, fine, I'm not going to get made fun of for calling this damn sport soccer. Whereas in England, everybody I'm sure is just trolling him constantly like, hey, dude, you surf in America, right? I'm sure he gets that a lot. And I, I would imagine that weighs on you and you've been you know, experiencing that since you're 18 years old trying to, to cut it. But honestly, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with either of you. I think that he does leave you wanting more. And I think we all see that there are levels above what he's currently performing at that he's capable of reaching. I don't know if he will ever be the player that can translate his national team success to his club career because some some players are just known for their for their national team, right? They're just cult heroes, right? Ochoa, Valencia, we, we know tons of them who are just like, you're that guy for your national team. When you go back to your club, you kind of get forgotten about. That might be what his potential is. And if it is, He'll be a U.S. legend. He just won't be a football legend, right? Like, what are our expectations of him? We have to be okay with that if he's okay with that. But if he shifts his mentality and he thinks, I'm the guy, give me the shirt, let me run with it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think we'll, we'll see a different Christian Pulisic again. Yeah, I totally agree. And we'll move on from this, but I think you guys both make excellent points. And Liam, you, you touched on like the word passion and I know he has passion. So I don't want to disrespect him because anyone who plays at this level has to have passion for what they do. But there are just moments in time where I'm like, be a little more, you know, go for it a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I, I thought the same thing, Liam, that today, actually, when I was watching, I'm like, hmm, this reminds me of the conversation we had yesterday about Felix. So mm -hmm. It is what it is. You wish these guys well. Sometimes it's just a part of their playing style, but it's the same feeling that I have with Felix that they leave you wanting more. And 
hopefully he's okay because that's, this is a guy that if the Netherlands, if they want to beat the Netherlands, I think Pulisic is a very, very important part of that team. Whether you like him, whether you don't, he's, he's the face of that program. And, a, and at the end of the day, the guy who scored the only goal for the U.S. So we'll see lots of exciting games coming up. Uh, did anyone watch the Netherlands play Qatar today? Yeah. I watched it on the, on the small screen because I was, I was heavily focused on Ecuador and Senegal, but I did see how they were playing. And I think, honestly, I've just been thoroughly unimpressed. Like my, my takeaway <laughs> from this game is the same as every time I watch them play, which is this is silly. Like the only player worth talking about here is that Cody Hakpo again is doing what he does and he's taken on this level. And I think he will emerge into a like superstar not just like a good talent but a superstar i think the world cup can propel that and he took all the momentum that he had at club level and that he gained from the latter half of last season and he's entirely translated to the national team success where he's the only bright spot in this team memphis wasn't in the squad for the first few games frankie de Jong has been hot and cold right the whole back three seems ridiculous van dyke when he's not when van dyke plays it goes one of two ways because he looks like he never looks like he's trying so when it's going well you're like wow he doesn't even look like he's trying but then when it's not going well you go it doesn't even look like he's trying like bro get it together right and i feel like that is is a massive reflection on louis van hall's system because i think the fullbacks haven't been hitting the heights that they probably would have thought they would have i'm sure denzel dumfries at this point in the competition people would have loved to have seen like two goals three assists from just crazy numbers from from wing back because that's what we kind of expect from him right that's the system that they play they've been i don't want to say abysmal it's too critical it's just that they've been thoroughly underwhelming and i think they had escaped the tier of dark horse going into this tournament where they were just kind of rated you know like they weren't underrated they weren't overrated but they were rated they mm-hmm. weren't the dark horse that were going to storm this competition they weren't a favorite but it was just like you know another one's got a pretty decent team and they don't they're getting they're getting swarmed in midfield they can't win games there they're not winning battles the back three looks lethargic a lot of the times and the wide areas are not pr- proving to be as effective as i'm sure they thought they'd be the only bright spot in this team right now is cody Hakpo. And I don't know how far he can take them. If every game he's going to score one, great. It'll be great for Cody Hockpo. It won't be great for the Netherlands. Go ahead, Liam. I was just going to say, I don't understand why his G is an H. It's That's just Dutch, bro. That's how it is. I don't know. Actually, all G's are H's in in the in Dutch. So the the it's just he's just the only one who I care to put that pronunciation into because he's earned it. Like Louis Van Hall, uh, not, not yeah, Van Hall, right? Not not Van Gaal. Or same thing with Eric Ten Hag. It's not Hag. It's if you listen to how he says it, it's like Hag. But I I'm not gonna do that for everybody. Damn it, you gotta earn it here, right? And and Cody's earned it because he's in the but it's in the form of his life. He's probably the informed player of the year in Europe right now. And uh and since I've started saying it, it's a running joke actually on the Jerseyball podcast that we say since last season, like this dude's been tearing it up since his name was Gakpo. Now he's Cody Hakpo. He's evolved and we all read him. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to say it the way that you say it. So he'll forever be Cody Gakpo to me. <laughs> and that's well, there's certain languages that allow you to do it. So if, if you're for all of our Arabic listeners here, when you type and you text it using numbers, the number five makes the huh sound when you put it at the beginning of words. And in French, because that's my background, that's a very familiar sound to me. So I guess Dutch just has that same use of phlegm in the back of your throat to make some letters work. And, and I'm 100% here for it. <laughs> Polish is so Mike's Lebanese, so he speaks fluent Arabic, and I Mike could say like, bet. Put I, him on right now, Mike. Say this name, Chakpo. Put the five, t- right? Five A K P O, and he's going to read it as Chakpo. I guarantee you. But I pick up. I've picked up Arabic, and I actually can say a lot of words. Like his parents are super impressed because Polish is a lot of 
too. Right. Like there's a, and there's no excuses, Caroline. You got to say it right. <laughs> yeah. You no, I just, right. <laughs> I'm not one of the, I'm not one of those fans. Like if it's a, yeah. if it's a Cody Gakpo, it's a Cody Gakpo. I'm not even, you know, tr- trying to be Dutch and say, yeah. um, but what I do want to say is it's interesting based on what you said. Nathan. <laughs> it's too, <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not authentic to me. Exactly. Yeah. It's the best way to put it. I will say that this might be a situation not quite like this, but Lewandowski on Poland, when play, when teams know that he's his old, Lewandowski is the only good player, they're going to shut him down. And when Lewandowski shut down on what is not the best team, it's very tough for Poland to generate anything. So mm-hmm. now we're at the round of 16. Every team that's at this round of 16 has earned their right to be there, and they're all very good teams. Coaches and teams are going to know Oh, we're playing the Netherlands today. This is a guy that we have to make sure as soon as he gets the ball, as soon as he gets the ball, there's one to two of us on him at all times, or he could single-handedly take us out of the game. Like people are going to catch on to this. And I don't know if the Netherlands just have other guys. We know that Frankie de Young's one of them, but I'm not really sold on Frankie de Young right now. They just don't have the other guys to have a big moment. Van Dyke could, but has he so far? Well, this is the thing for me. Like he, the thing is, the Netherlands do have all those players, and the fact that none of them are contributing, I think maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's masterclass by Louis Van Gaal. Maybe he's like, hey, Cody's going to be the <laughs> star it. of the group stage, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm Memphis, we're going to unleash him in the next round. Okay, we're going to have yeah. Denzel Dumfries, we're going to put on Fringpong, we're going to put on like our baller players who are just going to tear it up because people are just going to like double, triple Mark Clark. Could you maybe imagine? It's a masterclass. If it is, honest to God, I'll be like, okay, this is the Every, everyone else is playing checkers, and Netherlands is playing yeah. chess right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, because honestly, like no, like not disrespect to Poland, but like Lewandowski is their only good player. He's their only outlet to score or succeed. That is not the case for the Netherlands. Cody Hakpo has only earned his stripes this season to break into this national team. Right? There are a lot of very, very good players who are difference makers. Steven Bergwijn can score. Right? Like uh, Memphis Depay makes things happen. He had like forty goal involvements when he was playing for Lyon like a season ago, and then he moved to Barca, and he's been a little bit quiet, fine. But he's been—he was the Lewandowski to excuse me—he was the understudy to Lewandowski. Like, damn, I said you're not grabbing that that nine shirt from him, right? I feel like, and then the wide areas—I can't stress enough. Their fullbacks are there. Their wingbacks are the system. They are supposed to be the ones who are hurting teams. And dude, Vout Veghorst is sitting on the bench and he's six foot nine. Like, bro, sub this dude on and get the crosses in. Like, there's different ways to score if you wanted to. I think everybody's just a little bit too comfortable with the fact that Cody Hakpo is becoming the star of the tournament. And until that changes, I don't know what plan B is. Maybe plan B is, okay, Memphis, you go do it, what you were supposed to do. You go B, because he was the original Cody Hakpo. He was in 2014. That was Memphis. Memphis was that breakout star from that tournament. And I think that it's it's not quite fair to say that they are going to only have him as an outlet to score because of the talent that's there. But if he is the only outlet to score because none of the other talent wants to contribute, well, then you're absolutely right. Then the teams are going to look at it and go, well, let's deal with the other players when we have to. Right now, it seems like Hakpo is the only avenue to score. So let's lock him up. No, and that's why I said it's not the exact same picture as exactly. Poland. But yeah. right now, Cody Gakpo is the only guy really yeah. that There is, are similarities that can be drawn for sure. That is kind of propelling the Netherlands into a winning position or into a position where, hey, now we have momentum. And that's what Lewandowski is for Poland. I mean that in the way that when Poland now plays Argentina, Argentina is going to know to shut down Lewandowski. And when the U.S. go to play the Netherlands, they know to shut down Gakpo. And now it's going to be up to these other players around these guys to create. 
And will it, can it be done? And you're right. The Netherlands have players that, that can do it. It's just, will they be able to do it at a world cup, which has been very underwhelming for everyone, but Gakpo and at times, at times, Frankie de Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to add on the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> Liam's over it. Yeah. Liam, pronounce the name. How do you say it? Uh, Nathan, I can't even say English names right quick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think the U.S. have a really good chance of beating them. I think this is a very good game. I think it'll be very tight. Um, I just read a tweet there, too. This is the first time since 1930 that the U.S. men's national team has recorded back-to-back clean sheets at the World Cup. Did I say 1990 or 1930? You said 1930. Okay, perfect. No, wait. Did you say 1930? Now I don't know. I thought you said since 1930. I'm like, dude, that's a long time. (laughs) Time since 1930 that the U.S. men's national team has recorded back-to-back clean sheets at the FIFA World Cup. That was the you know first why? World Cup that they you know why? So there it's you go. They didn't have Tim the Dream Ream playing at the time. Did Timmy the Dream, the bro. Make your dreams come true. I see the awkward press conference with Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman. No. So they go into the room and the media guys like, "Hey, like, welcome." Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman from Stand or whatever, and he's like, uh, I can't remember what the media's guy name was, but Tim Ream goes, "Excuse me, blah blah blah, whatever his name was." He's like, "Can you please refer to us as the Bun Bros because we're both wearing <laughs> nap buns?" And nobody did anything. Nobody laughed. Nobody. Oh no! Uh, and then the guy was, "I am. We will proceed with today's press conference." <laughs> oh, oh no! That's, that's, that's the worst. Yeah, I tough one. I remember, so I, this is a quick side story. I had to make, or I I didn't have to, I was grateful enough to be asked to do an announcement for Monday Night Raw. And I'm so nervous. I was there. I think I was there. I think I I swear to God, I think I was. So I was so nervous. I was because it's like 25 to 30,000 people. Right. And I know WWE fans, they're, (laughs) they're waiting for a slip. They they are. And I'm like, they don't know me. Right. So they're gonna be like, who's this random girl? We all watch Here's the thing. Thank yeah, you, Nathan. <laughs> but it's, but I was like, so everyone at work, they were asking me leading up to, they're like, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And they said, what's the worst thing that could happen? I said, the worst thing that could happen is if it was dead silent. I said, I would rather get booed right. so hard because then I'm like this heel. I would even play off of that. I'd like, I don't know. I'd probably go into yeah. character and I'd play <laughs> like a heel. But I'm like, the worst thing with the WWE crowd is if I said something and it's crickets. And I always think that that's one of the worst things that can happen after someone makes an announcement, has a take, makes a joke, if it's just crickets. Yeah, if it doesn't hit. Yeah, it's a big yeah, problem. I think you got fear. a pop, though. Didn't you get a pop? I did. I did. Maybe I not. I don't, think it, I don't think you got the Kevin Owens pop because that blew the I roof mean, off the play. But I, I mean, mean I, yeah, I'm no KO. But We had I a mean, whole I, row of my friends and I wearing our Kevin Owens t-shirts because we met him the day before and he was doing the signing at the... At uh, Real Sports, and then I think we, I think you got the pop with him. We're like, yeah, Kevin, yeah. He, um, he's one of the nicest people, Kevin Owens. He's so great. Obviously, Canadian guy. He's just awesome. But yeah, again, coming another, up for a wrestling show again. Yeah, another it. conversation for another podcast. But yeah, uh, what was I was going to say something, Liam, about what you just said, but the bun Were you going to say Nathan could never be say, asked to be called a bun bro? <laughs> based on Liam's stat about uh, the clean sheets, I really like the U.S.'s goalkeeper, Turner. I think that he's a he's a good guy. I think he had a big performance against England. Um, and I think that he's a solid guy that we we saw him be tested. But I think that if he's really tested, he could come up clutch for the U.S. in, in those moments. That'll be a big-time player for them. Yeah. 
he's doing well. He's doing well for Arsenal this season too when they call upon him. And yeah, I was surprised they didn't take Zach Steffen, but now the US is just making me eat my words with Matt Turner <laughs> and the way they're playing defensively. But uh, yeah, shall we let this podcast be powered by Cool Bet? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, and obviously another four games tomorrow. This is the best, but the best part about the World Cup is when every single game matters. And like, mm-hmm. like tomorrow, every single game matters throughout the entire thing. So, started off Australia, Denmark. Australia plus 600 on the money line to draw plus 345. And Denmark minus 196 to win. So, basically, you win and you're in in this one. I think actually every single game is win and you're in by the looks of it. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I guess France, Tunisia, but if Tunisia win, they're in. Uh, right. Unless Australia win. Yes. So I guess, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> a lot of implications. <laughs> am, I, am I crazy to think, and I'm as I'm saying this, I'm beginning to think I am crazy, that Australia could get a result here? I No. I just, I don't, know. I don't know what it is because... France, obviously, they got the goal, but then they played Tunisia, and by all accounts, they didn't really deserve to win that game, if I'm thinking that correctly, or maybe it could have gone either way, but I don't know. It's just, they've hung in there more than I thought they would, and Denmark, for me, just hasn't been the Denmark I thought we were going to get, so I, I'm kind of feeling a bit of an upset here for Australia to to win or to get a draw. That's mm. kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know if Denmark gets something. Caroline, because these are your finalists, I want to let you touch on this because I feel like this is significant ramifications for your cool bet predictions going into this tournament. Are you feeling confident based on what you've seen so far from Denmark? No, man. Denmark's let me down. They let me, they, they might be my biggest letdown. And yeah. they've done so well. And this is what I mean. We, we spoke about this, Liam and Nathan, you know, prior to the World Cup, that sometimes when teams have this unbelievable qualifications round and they've kind of peaked before a tournament, it's very hard to keep for them to keep that same level and keep finding another level. It's usually the teams that are peaking at the right time that can carry that performance and find other levels as the tournament progresses. Denmark was doing very, very solid work prior to the World Cup, and now they've been completely underwhelming. So I don't know, man. I don't know if they have guys who can score. They play a tough game. I think that they are you know, resilient and hardworking and a team that I will always root for because I love that style of play and I love players who are tough, but they just don't have guys to finish it. On the other side of things, I, I think Australia is my, again, my random exciting pick of the tournament that can surprise you. And we saw that when they opened the goal scoring for, for France, like Liam just said. And I think that, you know, if they're able to score a goal where Denmark's really struggled, who says that Australia can't win this game? I think it might be a little tougher for Australia to get behind Denmark's defense because that's their strength, but maybe they find a way. Can I, um, can I weigh in on this here? Because I want to play it's I never thought I'd play devil's advocate by picking the favorites here, but I'm going to say, yes, you're both crazy because of course Denmark are going to win. Denmark are so much better than Australia. And I'm going to back the quality here because you were better than Argentina. It's tough, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, it's a it's a game. You said that we have on you head. said yesterday that there's no way that the U.S. beats Iran. There was no way, and then what happened? They they found a way. So hey, <laughs> hey, don't. I'm not saying listen to my picks for cool, but here are my cool bet predictions. Here, if you want to make money, you bet responsibly with cool bet. Stay cool, guys. Listen, Australia, Denmark. <laughs> it's always going to be something where Australia. No, 
how to defend for their lives because they're holding on to three points and that's what they have to mm-hmm. do. Now, the only scenario here where Denmark advances is if they beat Australia. If you remove all external factors from this game and you put that in a vacuum, who wins between these two nations? 10 times out of 10, I would bet you that Austra- that, uh, that Denmark are going to be able to <laughs> Your heart says Australia. That's what almost came out, Nathan. I got the Socceroos over here. So I, it's, I like Australia. <laughs> I'm backing Oceanic football and nobody else will. However, I feel like this is a mismatch for, for Australia because Australia have one job here and it's to just not concede. I feel like their vibes... We spoke about this, didn't we, Caroline, on the episode mm-hmm. that you and I did last week about... I feel like the best thing that Australia feel they can do for their fans is get that win for Oceana. And I think they were going for that early on and they got the win. They got the first win at a, at a World Cup in, in 12 years. And that is a big win for them. I think they're going to try everything in their power to hold on to that and be like, wow, can we go through here? I don't think they're going to try to risk it by attacking Denmark. And I feel like Denmark have these players that are robust enough to to defend well, but also Mm -hmm. we can't forget what the Christian Eriksons of the world and what the Mikkel Damsgaards of the world are good at. And that is breaking down the teams that don't want to let them score. Right now, even if they're missing you know, a direct like big boy number nine to go grab the headline when they need him to. I still think they have quality all around to be able to break that scoreline down. And then if they do, and let's say they score in the first half, I think Australia are going to be like, uh, crap. How, what are we going to do now? I see, I see Denmark winning like two nil here comfortably because I just think it's the end of the line for the Socceroos. I think quality will persevere. And you know what? Come back tomorrow when I'm wrong and we're reacting to the fact that Australia and the Socceroos have six points and they're the best damn team coming out of Oceania. No, you you could be very right. I mean, guys, I have Denmark in the World Cup final. I yeah. like the quality, the quality and the mentality and the motto of this team is why I have them going so far. But I've also watched them in games miss a header that the guy could have literally just walked into the net with and it'd be a goal. And certain moments that were frustrating for me to watch because I'm like, this Denmark team is so good, but it's just not good enough. And I don't know what's going on. There's a disconnect there for me. And I don't know, maybe Australia is riding a wave of momentum. I will take... I'd love to see Australia upset this Denmark team and me take a massive L on my picks <laughs> for Australia to have a moment, like a World right. Cup moment for their country and the and the culture of this sport in their country. I think it'd be amazing to see. So I'll be rooting for Australia. I think it could anything can happen. I mean, you're right, Nathan. Denmark has quality. Their defensive game is sound. Everything about them, but Australia's got a. Mm-hmm. I don't I know. The this, like, sec- they've got, got the this vibes. like secret factor that I wouldn't ever just again, like I said this on Kickback with Liam, I would never scratch them off the list. That's how I'm feeling today. So I'll just I'll I'll, I'll say this on like an end note here because we have to get through all the teams tomorrow. But Australia, Denmark, if that's the first match of this group instead of the third, Denmark have three points and then they carry that going forward. I think it bodes well for them that the 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 game of where they have to play the least quality opponent, right? The, in other words, the, the team with the least amount of talent fi- falls on the final day. I think that helps their cause. I don't think it harms their cause because if they had to play France tomorrow, I'd go, ooh, like now you got to take those points. Like that's a big game to take those points from. Whereas now I think they're going to go into it being like, guys, come on. Like, you know, we were underwhelming in our opening game. It didn't go our way against the much better side with France this is it here. We have to go get this win and we're way better than them. Like there's no reason why it shouldn't be the case. I'm all for the oceanic vibe. I'm all for the Socceroos, but I think that Denmark at some point have to click into gear here. And just because we didn't see it in two games, one of whom was against a team that has been very, very impressive to our surprise. Doesn't mean that we can just write them out of the tournament here. I'll go draw. Uh, (laughs) France. 
France. France will win this. France, French should be fine in this one. Uh, We'll skip over Poland. We'll come back to that one at the end. Mexico, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia plus 375 to win. Mexico minus 139 to win. Draw plus 320. I skipped over Poland because I thought we'd have a deeper conversation on it. (laughs) Liam. Um, that is a good one to end the show. Saudi Arabia on this one. Mexico. I completely agree with you. Scoring goals. And that's that's uh, not a good thing in the game of sports. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Saudi Arabia. I think I think they had that obviously massive win against Argentina. We're maybe even a little bit unlucky against Poland with, with the way Chesney played. And, yeah, like I, I, I kind of like Saudi Arabia to advance. Is it my turn? Can I, is that I have to talk about this? Damn. Uh, let me think about it. Listen. Disagree with me that you can't go. I, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you did. I think I might take a draw here. I, I just think Ochoa comes up big in World Cups, and I don't think he wants to see Mexico go out with a record of all one and two. I think Mexico need to get a win here. I don't know if they're talented to do it. I think Saudi Arabia have been pleasantly surprising, and the momentum, like we talked about the Senegalese fans making an impact. There are like 20,000 Saudi Arabians who attend these matches here. Like it feels like a home game every time they play. Right now, I understand they're not on the pitch, but I have to imagine that in a game like this, where Saudi Arabia still have a chance to advance out of this group, knowing that if they get the result, they already have three points, which means they would get, if even if they get four points here, they're still through. Right? Uh, maybe not because Poland, whatever. We can, we can talk about the, the logistics of it. I think that Saudi Arabia have been impressive so far. And I think that Mexico are not necessarily as solid defensively as Poland are to kind of ice them out. I think that they can be got at whether or not they're going to try to go for it, which will bode very well for Saudi Arabia or whether they're going to try to play low and then, and then Saudi Arabia will really be able to test Ochoa. I think either way, I don't like saying that Mexico walk out of this group without one win, but I, I think, I think they'll split the points here. I think that's where my heart's at. I'm going to say that they're going to draw, but I could, I could very, very well see Saudi Arabia winning this game too. I think Saudi Arabia will win. I think that in the first half against Poland, they had a very solid first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. They, they were dominating Poland, but Poland had this... It's never pretty with Poland, but they eventually broke down Saudi Arabia's quality, and then eventually Zielinski scored, and then eventually Lewandowski scored, and Saudi Arabia just wasn't able to get back into it. And like Liam said, our goalkeeper came up massive for Poland. Um but I think Saudi Arabia, I, this is a team that before the World Cup, I really didn't know what to expect. And now I'm like, this team's a good team. And they have really good players that can have these wow moments. And I think that this Mexican team is, I'm sorry to say, because I, I root for CONCACAF teams. They don't do anything for me. And I think the Saudi Arabia team with as much passion and heart that they have, it's the best way for me to explain them, uh, explain how I feel about them. They play with such heart. I think yeah. that they could take apart a Mexican team if, if they show up tomorrow playing the game that they do. I don't think Mexico really will hang with them. Fair enough. I don't disagree at all. We'll see, guys. Fair. Never anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last one. Oh. Poland versus Argentina. Poland plus what are they? Plus seven forty on the money line. Draw plus three twenty five. Argentina, pretty heavy favorites, minus 208. What are we feeling here? Caroline, we may as well go to you first. <laughs> okay, so I actually might tell Mike to place a cool bet bet uh, on this. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. 
And I could be completely wrong. But Poland played really poorly, obviously, against Mexico. I was not happy. I think that they played a very tough Saudi team. And as the game went on, they got better. And they hit the crossbar. Milik hit the crossbar. Jelinski scored. Lewandowski scored his first ever World Cup. I think they come into this World Cup, into this Argentina game. And I think that they'll be able to hang with them. It may not be pretty, but I think that Poland can win this. And I think Lewandowski got a big monkey off of his back um, against Saudi Arabia. And I think that's massive for Lewandowski. This guy's a clinical goal scorer. I think that he can absolutely make moments happen and score big goals. I wasn't impressed with Argentina in the first 45 minutes against Mexico. Poland plays a very defensive style of football. So that's already going to be there no matter what team they play. If they're able to shut down players like Di Maria, Di Maria, you know, Nathan, you spoke to Enzo Fernandez. I can't wait. If, if they're able to shut this. that, yeah, if they're able to shut that down, which they have, Poland has these big athletic defensive guys who can do it. It may not be pretty, but no one cares about how pretty it is just as long as they win. I, maybe Poland shocks Argentina. I'm not overly impressed with Argentina. And this is coming from someone who has them winning the entire tournament. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm feeling Poland. I'm feeling momentum from their side. I'm feeling Lewandowski having a big performance. And I'm just not sold on Argentina at this moment in time. Well, I mean, if speaking of not being sold on Argentina, who's been less sold on Argentina than me these past few episodes of Kickback, right? Like I've been absolutely terrified by how trash they've been compared to what the world expected of them going into this tournament. You guys remember before Portugal first played and we were talking about predictions and I said, place this bet once you see the lineup. I feel the same way again today. I feel like Argentina have not learned their lesson from the first two games. The funny part is that if there's ever a game to play the way they've been playing the last two games, it is today. It's to, it's it's tomorrow, rather. It's tomorrow's going to be the game against Poland where they need those creators to be there, right? Where I don't think that... I think it's the perfect storm for Messi to be like, oh, look, a low block with big players who want to kill me. That How refreshing. Like, he's so familiar with that. Di Maria out wide to just kind of draw players in, feed overlapping runs, and then create in tight spaces. Again, perfect player for that every time everything that i've been shouting for this argentina team to become i think doesn't apply tomorrow i think they have to just do what they've done now because i think that's the best course of action to beat that specific team that being said enzo fernandez needs to start i could i can't stress that enough i think that it's pathetic that he hasn't started yet and i think that as as silly as a as a hot take this might sound argentina need a player like that to win I don't see a way where Argentina don't top this group with six points. I think they beat Poland. I think they beat them convincingly. I think they shift into gear, but I don't think it has anything to do with the talent that they play. I think it's just stylistically, this is the matchup where Argentina are going to be able to utilize those creators to break down those tight spaces. And then once they go up, Poland, are, there's no avenue for success to Poland to get back into this because if we thought they were defensive before, wait till they have the likes of Messi coming at them. They're not going to step a damn foot past 30 yards. What? They're gonna but be that might over. work. Honestly, devil's advocate, I agree. I when it they came work. out because they're already top they, of the group. You're right. It might work. When they when they came out like that against Mexico, my goodness, don't even get me started. Don't even bring me back to that day because I was so mm -hmm. pissed off. But if they play the counter attack for 90 plus minutes tomorrow and they get one lucky break, that's all they need. They I'm don't even need it. They just have to not lose. Right? I'm like they're, fine. they're already top. I'm fine with them. Honest to God, whatever, park the bus for 90 minutes. I don't really care. Get the result at this point in time yeah. against someone like Argentina. Maybe I'm crazy, 
Messi showed up for Argentina against Mexico, obviously opened the scoring, I think around the 60th minute against Mexico. But prior to that, was he like unbelievable to you, Nathan? No, or not at all. No, I don't he, know. Was, he was poor. Everybody was poor. That's kind of my whole thing with how unimpressed I've been with Argentina is that they've all been really, really bad so far. But it has to do, I think, with the matchups. I think tomorrow is just a perfect storm for them to just I hope do not. What, they've, <laughs> what has made them poor, basically, I think will make them good against Poland because it's like the, everybody knows going into this game it's a low block poland don't have fast players so they're not they can't hurt them in transition the only way they can is if is if skolini side get too overconfident with this low block and try to suffocate it too much but then they're gonna have zero space to operate in i think this is just a matter of can you get one and if you do it's lights out and argentina are gonna top this group and they know that they have to win to advance Nathan, you're hurting my soul right now. Caroline, I take no ple- no no pleasure at all in saying this. Believe me. My but soul. I, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what, I'm still on your side. I'm oh, on I'm Team kidding. Caroline's picks because obviously I have no no allegiances with Poland, so it doesn't matter to what happens with Poland. But it bodes well for Caroline's picks if Argentina go further into this competition. So I'm gonna back the cool bet prediction going into this tournament, Argentina to make it up. I'm totally kidding. You guys could totally absolutely trash Poland and I never judge you for it. Um, I'm just, I'm just praying. I'm going to say my prayers five times extra tonight. That's all. There you go. I'll go go draw. Argentina out. Saudi Arabia. Poland take it second. I'm feeling spicy today. And that's what I'm saying. England wins. My mentality changes. So I'm going with the bold Argent Australia to qualify with France and then Saudi Arabia to pop the group with Poland second. So there you have it, folks. Argent- this is this is what I love. See, this is what makes it fun for me. I love doing predictions like this because oh, we yeah. look back on it tomorrow, right? We're gonna come back tomorrow and we're gonna say, Wow, could you believe how dumb Nathan was talking up that one of the best sides in the competition and then they went out? Like that that makes for great storytelling. But I can't sit here honestly and say, Yeah. Argentina are not making it out of the group because that's crazy to say. It's they've been the competition's going on for nine days. We're that in, unimpressed with them. Like they yeah. still have levels to hit. They haven't hit them yet. The motivation's as high as ever, and they're playing against a team that poses virtually no threat to them. I think that it's just a perfect storm for 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 Argentina to kind of shift into gear here. Lewandowski will show up. I believe. I'm sure from his I, own 30 yard line. I don't know how, unless he's planning on chipping the keeper from the entire pitch. He could. Good. One thing's for sure is I'll 100% show up to tomorrow's episode crying, whether it's tears of joy or <laughs> tears of pain. I'm not sure. You but teach I'll us be... the anthem. I'll sing it with you. Polska, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Polska, Polska, Polanda. I love it. All right, guys, let us know what your cool bet predictions are. Uh, let us know if you guys agree with us, if you don't. And we'll be back tomorrow. This has been Kicked Back presented by Uber One. That's a wrap for another episode of Kicked Back. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more Kicked Back content, follow the 90th Minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time.